Welcome to this podcast from the Vessel Collective Church here in the heart of Texas. Our mission is to be vessels of the living Christ, set apart for His purpose and His kingdom. We thank you for sharing in this message here today. Well, good morning and welcome to the Vessel. Uh, I'm so excited about today and the season that we're in. Uh, as we have a really special and significant morning uh, up to date. But first of all, this table is wonky. There it is. All right. We're good now. So we have a really exciting morning this morning that uh, uh, may feel uh, not abrupt, but with something that we have been working on as, our, as kind of our board of directors for the past year's time has kind of come to fruition as we've got, uh, we're going to be doing a commissioning of elders this morning. Thank you, Jana Turner, for being excited. I'm so excited. I'm so grateful for everything the Lord's done. And so we're going to be doing that this morning, and we're going to continue in this series that we've been talking about, kind of our vision for the year. And so um, if you've been at the vessel for any amount of time, you likely know that, and what I shared up front is that our mission as a church is that we are called to be vessels of the living Christ, set apart for his purpose and his kingdom. That is 2 Timothy 221. That is a biblical calling that we have in our lives to be these vessels for the Lord. And, and that's what we're called to do. Um, and, and that is our mission. And you also know, if you've been here for some duration of time, is that we have four core values. And those four core values are authenticity, authenticity one, humility, two, generosity, three, and unity, four. And those are in no particular order. And those are really key, and they, they help identify and give us DNA for who we are. And, and they're these guardrails. And while there's lots of really great, important kingdom values that we could choose, those are the ones that we feel God has called us to hold in the highest regard. It doesn't mean that we are claiming to embody those things fully. I think if you claim to embody humility, you have now violated being humble. And so that is a tricky one. And so it's just a desire that that's what God is shaping us into. And, and as we look and make decisions and, and, and as God leads us out there, they're the, the coordinates, so to speak, of the direction that we're traveling. And so at the beginning of 2021, which still feels weird to say, we introduced uh, this idea of vision. If we have our mission, if we have our values, and now we have our vision. And so, Lindsay, if you would, go ahead and put that vision up there. And the vision is the what we do, what we do. And you'll notice that every one of these things are focused on relationship. Um, and, so the, the, and so the first one is that we are, we are to pursue an inward relationship with one another. The second thing is that we are to pursue an upward relationship with God. And finally, an outward relationship with the world. And so those things were really thought out and prayed through. And we actually began a conversation about these ideas um, over a year ago. More than a year ago, we began having a discussion about what is our vision? What are the do? And so uh, last Sunday, this sun, last Sunday um, and this week, we've been focusing on the inward relationship with one another. And I normally don't ask this of you, even though you should, um, if, uh, typically if you miss a Sunday, is that when we talk about inward relationship, I wanna encourage you, if you weren't here last Sunday, to go back and to watch last week's message. You can get that in a couple ways. You can get that on Facebook. If you're not on Facebook, you can get that on um, iTunes. You should be able to listen to it on iTunes. And we really focused last week on this inward relationship and this concept of one another. And over a hundred times in the New Testament, 
um, Jesus refers and, and the Bible refers and scripture refers to us being in relationship with one another. Lindsay, if you go to the next one, there's another slide. There you go. Okay. So this idea of uh, what it means to be called towards one another. And so uh, Jesus, when he met with his disciples on the eve of his crucifixion, after washing their feet after the Last Supper, he gave them this command to love one another as I have loved you. And as we prayed this morning and started the service uh, today, someone mentioned that the world will know that we are his followers by the way that we love one another. And for a hundred times in Scripture, in the New Testament alone, it talks about one another and our relationship with one another. And it is always, every time that word is mentioned in Scripture, it's talking about the body of Christ. It's talking about the followers of Jesus. It says that we are to accept one another, that we're to love one another, that we're to forgive one another, that we're to bear one another's burdens, that we're to speak to one another with love, that we are to be patient with one another, that we are to be patient with one another. It's in there multiple times. There, there's all of these things that how we are to interact with one another. And so if, if last week was this idea of us kind of casting the thought of like, we're called towards relationship with each other, and it is hard. What I want to do this morning is we're going to shift focus a little bit and try to be a bit more tactical. Like if this is the what we do, then literally, what does that mean? How do we respond? Like if I just tell you that, hey, what we're supposed to do is to encourage one another. I mean, that means we could walk out the door and send a text like, hey, man, Gary, great job leading this morning. Or Stephen, you're so handsome. I loved your boots at church or whatever. And we could encourage one another, but that's not simply yet, that it's a deeper and it's a relational thing. And so our focus today is gonna be over what that looks like and how we do that tactically here at the vessel. So I'm gonna read a scripture this morning. It's gonna be from John 21. And we're gonna be in a few different places in scripture as we're gonna bounce around. And if you know me, I'm not super comfortable with that. So um, bear with me this morning. And so as we read this from John 21, um, I would, I'd like to invite you to stand if you can. And I'm gonna read this over and then we're gonna pray. And so this is Jesus at the very end, last chapter of John, this is after his crucifixion, after three days, and after his resurrection, he's meeting with the disciples, and he says this to Peter. And so beginning in John chapter 21, verse 15, it says this, when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to them, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the perfection in your word. God, we thank you for the power in your word. Lord, we thank you for the purpose that's in your word. We thank you for the gift of scripture. God, we thank you for 2021 capabilities that like never before we have access to your living truth. We thank you for that, Jesus. God, I pray that as we look at inward 
relationship with one another and our calling and our vision towards inward ministry here at the vessel. Lord, would you make it clear? God, would you make it simple? God, would you make it full of purpose, Lord, so that we can walk in that truth? God, speak now. Thank you when we pray these things in your name. Amen. You can be seated. So in, in, in our in our our time as church, it's been interesting is that, like I've mentioned, as we're going into this eldership process, as we commission elders this morning, there's been a lot of work that's done. And so uh, we had a meeting yesterday uh, with, with kind of this new elder team, and we kind of had this, this time of dreaming where we just prayed and sought the Lord and said, all right, Lord God, what are you calling us to? What does the next five years look like? How do we have some sort of time of dreaming? And it was this really sweet time of thinking about what God is calling us to and what he could do in this place and what he could do with this church. And so interesting enough, as we, as we thought and prayed and talked through and dreamed together uh, as elders for, for the vessel, it honestly gave me this spirit of also looking back. This moment where I took a, a minute as we dreamed forward and I stood where I was and I felt like I, I took a minute to look back at what the Lord has done. And I was really overwhelmed and amazed by everything God had done. And then we had a time of worship that was there, and we sang this song. And um, we sang the song that has this old, that has this old memory for me. Uh, and it's a, it's a memory of Nicaragua and uh, the person that led that song. And I can't hear this song without thinking of Reed uh, Langhenick. He is the one that led this song. And I just you know how music does or a memory does. It just brings you back to this place. And so I remember this time that we were doing ministry in Nicaragua and we, we worshiped this song and we sang it. And Shay and I both, I mean, we just, you know, like started getting emotional. Our eyes started filling with tears. And I'm like, you know, I look at Shay and she whispers and, you know, we're supposed to be worshiping and praying and she and I are talking. And we're just reflecting on, man, look at what the Lord's done. Look at his goodness and his faithfulness and how far he's taken. And not just us, this isn't a narcissistic, but man, look at his goodness. And like, you just have these moments where you get this picture of how good and faithful he is. So of course, Shay and I went home and we watched, we have a video from that trip from Nicaragua and it's on Vimeo and it's from 2014. And we watched this Nicaragua video and we just cried and, and, uh, and felt sad and missed things and felt excited about the future. And I mean, many people in this room, Russ Robinson and Thomas, uh, when Thomas was in high school, was on that trip. Like Reed was uh, uh, leading, helping lead on that trip. Michael was there. I mean, I'd, we just look back and have all these memories. And it was just a sweet time of God reminding us like where we've come from and where he's calling us to. And so as we think about the vision of the vessel, and as we look at this scripture about uh, Jesus reinstating Peter, but also giving Peter this, this calling towards ministry and to tend to the flock, it's a sweet reminder of the things that we do and the things that we set up and the vision that we put in place enables the Lord to do what the Lord wants to do. And, and that's why structure and vision and purpose and mission and values are important. Not because, not because the Lord needs them and we're giving some marching orders to God, like, God, here's our plan, now bless it. It's for us. It's, 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 it's 
vision that the Lord is giving, giving us so that we can clearly, faithfully walk and allow him to do what he's going to do. If we're truly to be vessels, we're to empty ourselves and be filled by him. And so as we think about inward relationship with one another, uh, just I want you to see a picture of what that looks like here at the vessel and, and what the ask, so to speak, would be. And so that you would understand. So tactically, like what that looks like here at the vessel is a few things. So um, as, as many of you know, Shay is the, uh, her job title is director of discipleship here at our church. And so she leads basically all inward ministry. Any ministry that, that is inward focused that meets the first criteria of that vision, inward relationship with one another, that is her focus. That is her job. That is what God has called her and appointed her and enabled her to do is to lead and to help give us inward direction and towards inward relationship with one another. So that includes uh, small groups. We have small groups, adult small groups that meet online, that meet in homes, that, that have met since the beginning of this church and before when we were part of ACF and this small group ministry. It's, it's us being called intending the flock. This idea of what, what Jesus tells Peter, Peter to tend the flock. It's this sheep being together towards an inward relationship with one another. It's uh, vessel students. It's our student ministry that meets here on Sunday nights. It's caring and tending for those sheep and those lambs that the Lord has brought here. It's children's ministry that's happening right now, however many yards down this hallway, that Jacob and Faith and Logan and Maddie and, and, and others, the, the marshals, uh, Janet and Scott, are back there tending the flock. They're back there shepherding those, and that's inward ministry. It's our women's Bible studies that meets on Monday and Tuesday nights. It's inward ministry. It's iron sharpening iron. It's people being together, being committed to an inward relationship with one another for the sake of the kingdom. It's our men's groups. It's, it's what Paul and Trevor have, have built. It's our men's ministry, that, that our authenticity groups, our discipleship groups and our men's stuff. And, and those things fall under the umbrella of inward ministry. And it's truly what, what, as what the Lord says here to Peter, it's tending of the flock. And that is our focus. So when we say inward ministry, when we talk about inward relationship with one another, those are the things that we're talking about. Those are the things that, that fit under that umbrella, so to speak, and under that vision. And so I want to look specifically at this scripture, and I want you to consider what that looks like for you. And I said this last week, and I'll say it again. It just really stuck with me, um, as Tony Colvin would often say, like a hair in a biscuit. It stuck with me all week, and it was just hanging tough like a hair in a biscuit all week, is this idea of proximity is not enough. And so much in the American Christian church is that we, what we strive for is proximity, that being near someone, not too, prox, not too much proximity, six foot proximity, but being near someone that that's enough if I just come around, if I just come and I'm, I just I show up occasionally or I come and I sit in a chair or whatever, that that's enough. And this danger of us confusing proximity with relationship. And you know that it's not. And so as we look through this verse, and, and we're gonna jump around to some other pictures in scripture, is this idea of the Lord seeing us as sheep and more importantly, seeing us as a flock. 
And then God's calling on the church to tend that flock. And so as we look in here, tending the flock means uh, multiple different things. And so we're going to highlight a few that we see here and that we see in Scripture. And the first, for us to tend a flock, tend, tend to the flock, and inward ministry means that we are to feed the flock. It means that we are to feed. In verse 17 here, he says, Lord, this is Peter, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. And so Jesus does, in this passage, Jesus really does two things for Peter here. More famously, and honestly, potentially more powerful, is Jesus is reinstating Peter. If you know the story of Jesus' crucifixion and the resurrection and him coming back and him ascending on a cloud and, and, and all the things, him fulfilling this prophecy, being the Messiah and, and dying on the cross for our sins, what we see is, we see that, that during this time that these disciples, they, they scatter after his, after his death. And Jesus tells Peter, he says, before the crow, uh, before the crow crows, rooster crows. I was like, it's not a crow. Thank you, Dustin. See, my good PK is front row, so he can remind me. So um, before the rooster crows three times, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And so Peter denies Jesus three times. And so Jesus asked him this question, do you love me? And it's this reinstating of Peter. For the three times that Peter denied Jesus, Jesus gives him opportunity to reinstate himself, to say, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Feed my sheep. Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Feed my sheep. Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Feed my sheep. But in addition to that, not only does he reinstate Peter, but he also gives Peter a responsibility and a calling to tend the flock, to lead the church. And this is not the first time that he said language like this to Peter. If you know, Jesus says, on this rock, I will build my church. Peter's name is literally the rock. And Jesus tells Peter before that, that on, on these men and on these disciples and the disciples to come is that that's what my church is going to be built on. And so Peter is my favorite disciple. I know we're not supposed to have favorites, but I think Jesus did, and, or John thinks that he was Jesus' favorite. But Peter's my favorite. And so Peter's great because I think that at some level in our lives, we can all relate to Peter. He is, and especially me, he is a act first, think second kind of guy, and that resonates with me. By the way, Shay, I found my mask this morning. I lost it. I looked around the church, and I found it. So here it is. She's been on me about losing masks. So Peter's famous for doing a lot of things, and he's infamous for a lot of things. He's infamous for denying Jesus three times, um, even though he said, he would, I would never deny you, Jesus. And he's like, really? He says, before the rooster crows, I would, you would deny me three times. Uh, in addition to that, he is constantly putting his foot in his mouth. He, when, when they come to take and arrest Jesus, he pulls out a sword and cuts off the ear of the soldier, right? He, he, he walks out of the boat, takes his eyes off Jesus and starts sinking into the water when God calls him out, when Jesus calls him out of the boat. There's a line in scripture where Jesus famously says to Peter, he says, get behind me, Satan, is what he calls Peter. And so Peter has all of these moments where uh, he, he, he fails and falls short. But on the day of Pentecost and after this, when, when they go to the upper room, when they're waiting on the Lord, it's Peter that leads. If you look at that scripture, it's the Peter is the one that steps up and leads those men. And on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit comes and the gospel is preached for the first time, it's Peter that preaches that message that 3,000 people are baptized. 
that they're pierced to the hearts and they come to know the truth and the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so part of it is asking the question is, why does he choose Peter? If Peter is such a failure, if Peter continually falls short, if Peter is the person that's always putting his foot in his mouth, why is Peter the one that he raises up in this moment? And it's not because of his expertise. It's not because Peter is the most charismatic or the most knowledgeable or has the best reputation. It's because Peter is willing. The same reason the Lord chooses you and I, the same reason he calls us into inward ministry to build his church, to grow his church, to tend his flock, because the reason that Peter cut off the soldier's ear is because Peter was willing to take out a sword. The reason that Peter sunk into the ocean when he took his eyes off Jesus because he was the only one willing to step out of the boat. The reason that Jesus is behind me, Satan, is because Jesus says, I'm going to die. And Peter says, never, Lord. As long as I live, you will never die. And, and Jesus says, no, behind me, Satan. Get behind me. I must do this is that what he sees in Peter is someone willing, someone willing to, to lead and to feed. And so when we think about our calling, I want you to know that it's not about being an expert. It's not about having all the answers. It's not about having some sort of seminary degree or some level of expertise. It's willingness. It's willingness to feed the flock and that is what he is looking for. And that's what he's calling us to do, to just say yes. If you know, if God has taught you one thing, then you have one thing to give. And, and I want you to know like that as much as I prepare messages and I'm, I'm in scripture every day, I learn the most about Jesus from you. I learned the most about Jesus from you guys. And so as we were doing this dreaming session with these elders and we were talking about this, what, what could it look like in five years? There were some really cool things on there. And so one of those things that we put on this board, and again, this is a dream board. So this is a, like, don't hold us accountable to it. We're just dreaming and praying. And so one of the things is that the Lord, in five years from now, that the Lord would, would bring an elder to the vessel that we've never met yet that in five years we would potentially have an have a elder here that none of us have ever met. And think about, man, look what the Lord can do with willingness of people willing to step into that, willing to say yes, and to dream about what's coming. There was something on the board about families going to be missionaries, about going to give their life to the ministry and to the nations and to say yes to those things. We dreamed about RAD and RAD ministry. And I mean, like we're like, man, what, what makes it? Well, what makes that? What makes RAD RAD? What makes it so powerful is it takes away all the pomp, all the frills, all the expertise, and it's just raw, simple kingdom stuff. And you don't have to be an expert. You don't have to know all the answers. You don't have to, you have to love Jesus and love one another. Is that, man, we are called to feed and to tend his flock. The second thing we see here, and I gotta move quick, is care. 
is that, that to tend the flock means that we are to care for the flock. In 1 first, in first Corinthians chapter 12, uh, Paul is writing to the church in Corinth, and he says this. He says, God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it. P.S., this is a rad verse. This is the rad verse for us. Greater honor to the parts that lacked it, that there be no division within the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. And that this idea of caring for one another, this is one of the hundred one another statements that's in the New Testament. And last week, it's one of the ones that we highlighted and talked about. And it literally means to care or to consider or to look after one another and one another's interest. And the truth of this scripture is, is that when we care for one another, it brings unity to the body. It says right here, that the members may have the same care for one another, that there be no division within the body, there be unity within the body, and that the members have the same care for one another. And so this idea of, of us caring for one another and tending the sheep and caring for one another's needs brings unity to the body. And now it becomes where the challenges and the things that I'm struggling with aren't mine, they're ours. Your struggles your sin, your addiction is no longer yours, it's ours. And when one part suffers, we all suffer with it. And when one part is honored, we all rejoice in it, is that we bear the load together. You know, this fall, uh, Shay started serving uh, with the student ministry just as a volunteer and serving under Jacob and in his ministry. And so she started going and hanging out with these girls. And, and uh, it's one of those things that Sundays is, is a long day for us where she's leading here. Uh, we're getting up early. We're getting ready. We're setting up the room. We're doing guest services. And it's a big day for us. And a lot of times we'll have a meeting after church. And so Sunday nights gets there and she's like, okay, like, I didn't get my nap in. Let's go. Here we go. And so, uh, and luckily Monday is her day of the week to sleep in. So, uh, but Sunday, as busy as it is for me, it's busier for her. But she starts serving with student ministry. She goes on Sunday night. And every week she comes back. She's like, man, it's amazing how these, and she's obviously in a girls group. <laughs> uh, and she says like how these girls care for one another. And, and here is Shay, who's leading and over this inward ministry, and she's stepping into relationship with these teenage girls, and it's theirs. They're not intimidated by her. They're not shy about her. This is theirs together, and they care, and they love, and they're concerned for one another. They consider one another's needs. They bear one another's burdens. And that, like, the, every week she's, she's said that, that that's amazing how they step into that. Uh, the very first, one of the very first small groups that, that I ever did uh, when we think about inward ministry in small groups was with uh, Grant and Lindsay Ledyard, uh, who I've done ministry longer with other than Shay, as long as anyone in this room. And we started this uh, small group over 10 years. We were part of this small group 10 or 12 or I don't know how long ago. 13 years ago. I'm glad we have Lindsay. She's so precise. Actually, it was 13 and a half, Lindsay, but it's okay. You'll get there. So... 13 years ago, we did the small group together, and um, man, we were just newlyweds, people trying to figure out how to be an adult. We were figuring out how to be married. We all, we had kids at the same time. We did that together. We learned how to be parents. We lost jobs together. We went through crises together. 
We saw marriages, young, new marriages, pushed and stretched to the brink together. We had babies together. We lost babies together. We struggled with pregnancy. We saw people move and have to uproot their lives, but we did it together. And the truth is, that's what care looks like. And that's why we're called towards inward relationship with one another, to bear one another's burdens. And no matter how long we get down the road, those people, and we shared something and we did something together, as we bore one another's burdens, we had concern for one another's lives. And we see kids, and, and I remember Claire and Sloan that are, you know, at the end of their elementary. I remember when Shay and Lindsay were pregnant together. And you look back and you think, man, Lord, look what you did through people that were willing to tend to one another's needs, to care for one another. And I want you to know, I want you to give yourself an out. If you're not up for that, it's okay. But that's what small group, that's what inward ministry is. It's the hard stuff. It's authenticity. It's humility. It's being generous with your time, your love, and your relationship and your concern. It's being unified and bearing with one another's needs. And if that's not what you want, don't get in a small group because that's what it is. The next thing we see here is we see that tending the flock not only means to feed, not only means to care for, tending the flock means that it is where we grow. It says in verse 15, yes, Lord, this is the first time, the first time that Jesus asked him, do you love me? Peter says, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. You see, we look at this scripture and we think that Jesus said the same thing. Feed my sheep, feed my sheep, feed my sheep. He said three different things. And I can go way down that rabbit hole. But the first thing he says is feed my lambs. The second thing Jesus says is tend my sheep. The third thing Jesus says is feed my sheep. Jesus actually tells him three different things, but we'll talk about that later. He tells him, feed my lambs. And, and this picture and this image of sheep and lambs is con consistent throughout Scripture. And it's the very purpose of a flock is to grow up these lambs. And when Scripture talks about a lamb versus a sheep, it, it, it gives this image of a lamb being a, a symbol and an image and a being of purity. It gives, it, it's this image of new life. A lamb is a symbol of innocence and preciousness. In Isaiah 40, verse 11, uh, the prophet Isaiah writes this. It says, he tends his flocks like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those who have, that are young. And the truth is, is the kingdom always prioritizes the least of these. It always prioritizes the most precious, the most innocent, the newest life. And we see this image of scripture, of this idea of the Lord being the great shepherd, taking up the lambs and holding him close to his breast. Anytime you see an image of scripture and a shepherd, where are they carrying a sheep? Over their shoulder. Because a, a, a big old, old nasty sheep is, not that that's you, it's probably me. A big old, old nasty sheep, it's too hard to carry close to your heart. 
and you sling it over your shoulder so you can control it, so you can bear the weight. And it's not a loving thing when a shepherd goes and gets the sheep and brings it back. But a lamb is different. And when Jesus tells him, feed my lambs, he's talking about the most innocent, the most precious, the least of these. And he takes them up to his arms and he holds them close to his heart. Luke 15, when Jesus leaves the 99 and goes after the one, says he scoops the lost sheep up in his arms, carries it home, celebrates my lost sheep is found. And the kingdom of heaven always prioritizes the least of these. Matthew 19, when the disciples shooed the children away, Jesus said, let them come. When the woman who was bleeding and Jesus is going through a crowd of people reaches out desperately just to touch the hem of his cloak, Jesus says, who touched me? He stops everything for this woman, the least of these. When he's going and marching into his crucifixion and going into uh, Jerusalem, and, and it's Zacchaeus that climbs a tree, the least of these, the least likely. He says, I'm staying at your house tonight. And when Jesus sat at a table with powerful men, politicians, religious elite, religious leaders, the experts in the church, churches and synagogues. He didn't honor them. He honored who? The prostitute that wept on his feet as he came in. He says, she has greater love than any of you. And he honored the woman who was a prostitute over the powerful and the religious elite. So when we think about tending the flock, we value those who are most precious, those who are the newest life. And so I want you to know that if you are in this room and you do not know Jesus Christ as your, as your Lord and Savior, you are most important, that you are the most important in this room right now, and that Jesus will leave the 99 and he will go after the one, and there will be more rejoicing in heaven over the lost sheep that is found than over the righteousness of the 99. Every sheep matters Every one of them's numbered. Every one of them, he calls them by name. He takes them up and he brings them home. And in, when we tend the flock, when we, when we are engaged in small group together, when we spend time in vessel kids and vessel students, when we commit to a men's authenticity group or to women's Bible study, it's how we grow. It's how we grow in our faith. It's not here. It's not in this room. If you are coming in and the only time that you're getting fed, the only time that you're being tended to, the only time that you're growing is on Sunday morning, you're malnourished. Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word of God. Do you eat once a week on Sunday? Yes or no? No, why? Because you will die. And that we are to grow in group. We're to feed one another in group. In our, in our time of we were dreaming, uh, we... You know, Joe was kind of leading us through it, and he said, you can put anything on the board, anything that you're dreaming and praying for, uh, like freedom in that. And so one of my cards I wrote was that, that Barrett and Keller, my two boys, would be baptized. And so I want you to know, as a father, like, I need you. Like, I can't serve in vessel kids. If I could, I would. And it's not on you. Like, we're parents. I raise my boys. And I tell them how much Jesus loves them. But that's what I want. I want them to know Jesus. 
I want them to know their value and what he did on the cross for them. So if we don't value what happens back there, then we're missing it. If we think that, that what we're supposed to do is come and entertain the masses and sing songs and Christian karaoke and, and hopefully have Jake tell something funny on a Sunday morning, we're missing it. Is that we've got lambs in that back room that we're to pour into, that we're to grow, that we're to feed, that we're to tell the truth. And I, and I want those boys to know Jesus. And so as a father, I'm asking you, I'm asking you to tend the flock, to love my boys, to accept them. And I don't leave my daughter out because she doesn't count. I leave my daughter out because she is saved. She knows Jesus. I need you to forgive them. I need you to care for them. I especially need you to forgive Barrett. He is hard. I need you to be patient with them. I need you to speak truth and love to them. I need you to be devoted to them. I need you to encourage them, to pray for them, to serve them. That's what I need as a parent. That's what we're called to do in inward ministry is that what happens back there matters. And the last thing that we see, and we're gonna close with this, is that when we tend the flock, it, it brings protection. It's how we protect the sheep, how we protect the flock. So we're gonna look in 1 Peter chapter five. And as we close, we're gonna, we're gonna uh, as I told you, we've been in this eldership process for the past year. And so we're gonna be commissioning elders this morning. And I'll call them up in a minute. I'll explain what that's gonna be. But this idea of protecting and a flock being together is where we get protection. That inward ministry, inward relationship with one another is where we're protected it's that when we get lost, when we begin to struggle, we're not alone. And if you do that alone, I have empathy for you. And you, and you don't have to go far. Just turn on Discovery Channel or look at National Geographic. If you're in the flock, you make it. If you're not, you don't. That inside the flock, you grow and you thrive and you live. Outside the flock, you are lunch. And there's an enemy that's more ferocious than anything we see on Discovery Channel that wants to peel you off, that wants to get you isolated, that wants to get you alone, that wants to get you out of the flock so that you can be devoured, complete and total destruction, to kill, to steal, to destroy. And so when we think about protection, 1 Peter chapter 5 says this, this idea of the flock. It says, to the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder and as a witness of Christ's sufferings, who also will share in the glory to be revealed. Verse two, be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, the Lord... And when the chief shepherd appears, you will fate receive the crown of glory that will never fade. In the same way, you who are younger, submit yourself to your elders. All of, Luke, all of you clothe yourselves with humility towards one another because God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. And so I want to, as we enter into this eldership process, first I want to tell you what an elder is, is that as we came out of ACF and we sought the Lord for what we were to be as a church, we sought how are we to be led. And so we looked at scripture, praying through what type of church and what God was calling us to do. And God made it clear that we were to be an elder-led church. And all an elder is, is that an elder is a, a 
is in the New Testament is biblical leadership called and appointed by God to serve, shepherd, and protect the local church and their people from the flock. And we see here Paul and, P, and, and these, these disciples, they, they plant these churches. The New Testament church is birthed and planted all over the region, and they will come and plant a church, and then God will raise up elders from within the church to shepherd and to care for and to lead the flock. And so our kids are going to come in. So you guys can have a, yeah, Maddie, wherever y'all think, because I want them to be a part of this. But God brings them, and, and God calls them out, and, and, and raises these elders up. And so we began a process this past year of 2020 of looking at what biblically does eldership do? What, is, what biblically do elders job? What does that look like here at the vessel? And we spent a lot of patient time as our board praying through and talking through and reading uh, through stuff about eldership and how, that, how God was calling us to have the role of an elder here at the vessel. And so we define elders in this way. So if you look here, the role of an elder here at the vessel is that elders will exercise spiritual oversight over the church by collectively doing two things. One, setting strategic direction to accomplish its mission. Two, guarding against sin and error. And those are, this is the role of an elder here at the vessel. And there's lots of things that we, 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 could, we talked about and could have done. And if you didn't, if you weren't on that Sunday where we presented eldership and talked it through, let me know and I can share that message with you if you would like more clarity on what that looks like. And so as we began this process, we, this, this fall, we had a team and we began seeking for elders and praying through and, and having applicants and putting that, and they weren't applicants, they didn't apply, but going through this process of praying through and discerning who God was calling and appointing um, to our church. And so um, uh, our, our elders and the elders that God called, and I'll ask you guys to come up here and we'll do a quick commissioning. And Shelby's gonna come up and play keys during this. Is, is God called Gary Gall, Martha Robinson, and Joe Ho to serve as elders of the vessel. So if you guys would come on up. Thank you for joining us this morning for our service. We are publishing content throughout the week for Church at Home through our social media and website. For more information, visit www.vessel.church.